Welcome back to another edition of From the Bridge. As always, I'm your host and captain, Rick Jones. Today's show is simply all about fans. And my guest angler, Davion Ross of Shot Tracker, has one of the most exciting products for fans I've ever seen. We'll have another Tuesday tip, and we'll also get you back on the road with Rick. So let's hoist the anchor and cast off from the bridge. As I mentioned in the introduction, we're going to deviate today from our recent discussions about selling corporate sponsorships to talking about selling to fans. We're just a few days away from my favorite time of the year, the start of college football season. We'll be at the Citrus Bowl on Saturday with our Dollar General ESPN Events tailgate tour for the big Florida versus Miami game. I love college football with all its pageantry, traditions, and competitiveness. Let me tell you that in college sports and pretty much in every other sporting or entertainment vehicle, fans pay for everything. I'm like a broken record on this, aren't I? Again, fans pay for everything. My partners at Engagement Partners talk a lot about the lifetime value of a fan. So today I want to examine that concept from the college football perspective with a guy that we're going to call Joe. So here's Joe's story. Joe was taken to his first football game at Georgia Tech as a four-year-old. It's a good thing because studies tell us that if you attend a team event before the age of five, you are more apt to become a lifelong fan of that team. Joe's dad did not attend Georgia Tech, but he was an Atlanta native, and he remembered the great Bobby Dodd era of Tech football and was a lifelong Tech fan. That day, Joe had his first of many chili dogs walking. That's slang for a hot dog to go at the famous Varsity restaurant on North Avenue right across the street from Grant Field, the home of the Ramblin' Wreck. That day, Joe bought his first game program, and he also bought a Coca-Cola and a commemorative logoed plastic cup, which Joe still has to this day in the study of his home. Joe learned all the words to the famous Tech fight song, I'm a Ramblin' Wreck from Georgia Tech, by age six, and he attended multiple Tech football, basketball, and baseball games throughout his childhood. He received Tech merchandise and apparel each Christmas and on his birthdays. At age 10, he attended basketball camp at Georgia Tech in the summer, having the opportunity to play games in the historic Alexander Memorial Coliseum. Joe played junior high school and high school basketball and continued to attend Tech games. He had one of his first dates at age 13 when his folks let him bring a girl from his class to the Tech football homecoming game. It turned out that Joe was a great math student, and he knew he wanted to attend Tech to become an electrical engineer. Joe was accepted at Tech and began his college experience as a freshman. He treasured his freshman rat cap and attended every football game with his new friends. After his freshman year, he was asked to join a group of students to help promote Tech athletics to his fellow students, and he loved that experience. 
Before his sophomore year, Tech's basketball coach Bobby Crimmins invited him to be a student manager for the men's basketball team. That team ended up winning Tech's first ACC tournament with Mark Price, John Sally, and Bruce Dalrymple. Two years later, Joe graduated with honors from Tech and took a job with a large engineering firm in Houston working on oil and gas factory projects. Because of his workload, he was only able to come back to two home football games that year, but he was able to watch all of Tech's games on TV, including an epic upset of arch-rival Georgia and Athens, and then he got to journey to El Paso to watch the Yellow Jackets play UCLA in the Sun Bowl game. Three years later, Joe took a job with another firm based in Huntsville, Alabama. He then bought his first set of football season tickets and a limited number of basketball games tickets. He took his fiancée, Beth, to see Tech play that year, and their wedding on Sea Island that next summer included a ride in the famous Ramblin' Wreck classic car from the Cloister to the Brunswick Airport to leave on their honeymoon. The next year, Joe donated to the Alexander Tharp Athletic Fund for the very first time, and he got better seats. For the next few years as his career progressed, Joe served on various athletic and university committees and continued to support both Tech Athletics and the university with both his time and his money. He started his own firm a few years after that and grew it into one of the largest in the Southeast. Beth and Joe had two children, both girls, and Joe became also now a fan of Tech's women's teams taking his daughters not only to football and basketball games, but also to women's basketball, volleyball, and tennis matches. The girls bought Tech logoed apparel at both the campus bookstore and at Belk's, where they often shopped. Now, neither of his daughters attended Georgia Tech. They both ended up going in-state to Auburn, but Joe continued to support the Jackets. Once his daughters were out of college, he found that he had some additional disposable income and he made a sizable donation to endow a football scholarship. He continued to buy tech license merchandise and make annual contributions to the AT Fund. And later he chaired the fundraising committee for renovations of the basketball arena, now called the Hank McCamish Pavilion. Last year, Joe sold his engineering firm for several million dollars and has now donated a million dollars to Tech for a new weight room for women's athletics. He'll be at Clemson next Thursday for Tech's first football game on the new ACC network. Okay, I made this guy up, but you get the point. Talk about the lifetime value of a fan. Next week, we'll discuss all the things Tech did or should have done to ensure that Joe's value as a fan continued to grow year by year. And oh, by the way, go Jackets. Now here's today's Tuesday tip. I go to a lot of football games on campuses where I've not been before. So here's a tip of where to park. I'm a Methodist. And on many campuses is the Student Wesleyan Foundation. They usually have a facility somewhere in the heart of the campus near the stadium or the arena. I'll call them up, 
Tell them that I'm a good Methodist and I'm planning to attend a game there and ask if I can park in their lot with the promise to make a donation to their organization. Usually they not only accept, but they find a way to let me eat at their pregame tailgate party. There are lots of other such organizations with their own buildings and parking lots on campuses. Try it the next time you're heading to campus. This week, ESPN and the Atlantic Coast Conference will launch the new ACC network. It promises to showcase innovative ways to watch college sports. The ACC is a great football conference with national champion Clemson and other great teams and schools, but it's arguably the very best college basketball conference with the best coaches. And speaking of college basketball, today's guest angler is my pal Davion Ross of Shot Tracker. Devion is the founder and CEO of Shot Tracker, one of the most innovative products for coaches, players, broadcasters, and fans that I've ever seen. Let's welcome Devion to the bridge. Davion, my man, how are you and how's life in Kansas City this morning? Man, it's, it's great to hear your voice. I'm doing good. Kansas City is good. It's good to be in Kansas City. Because I've been traveling a ton, but, you know, life is good, man. I'm blessed. And, you know, just grinding through the, the life of an entrepreneur and a startup. So um, all in all, I'm doing well. Well, before we talk in detail about Shot Tracker, how about giving the listeners a little bit about your background and what led you to where you are today? Absolutely. So I'm originally from Trinidad and Tobago. Um, I played basketball. Uh, I was able to you know, I got picked up by the Trinidad National in the 19 team and started to train with them. Got a offer to go play at Benedictine College in Kansas. Um, so got a full scholarship. Um, while I was there, I studied uh, computer science and math. So played basketball, studied computer science and math, which, you know, is just kind of a, my destiny was shot tracker almost. And um, prior when I got out of school, made the decision to not go overseas and take an engineering job. Um, did multiple things from engineering at Sprint to leading a team um, at a company called Evergence, where I did software implementations all across the world, Germany, Canada, um, a lot in the U.S. And then I started a company by the name of Digital Sports Ventures, which syndicated college sports videos during our peak. Um, we would work with the broadcast partners, pull down the video, and then syndicate it out. Um, in our peak, we were streaming about 1.2 million videos a day. Doesn't sound like a, a lot now, but that was in, you know, 2000, 2008, 2009. And I sold that company to an ad network and, you know, hung out, played a little golf for about a year. And then a buddy of mine called me up and said, Hey, um, how did you track your, your, your shots? And you can't really improve what you didn't measure. I'm working out in the backyard with my son. And um, together, his name is Bruce, together we decided to uh, bring Shot Tracker to market. Well, we met when I was uh, the marketing director for the National Association of Basketball Coaches. And, you know, early on, we really felt like this was just absolutely breakthrough technology, not only for those that play the game and coach the game, but for those that obviously broadcast and watch the game. Explain to folks exactly what Shot Tracker is and how it works. Absolutely. So, 
Uh, Shot Tracker is a sensor-based technology that tracks statistics and analytics in real time with sub-second latency, emphasis on the sub-second latency. Um, we have a small sensor that goes in the player, goes on a player's uniform. Uh, we have a sensor in the ball, um, and we found a way to make it imperceptible to the end user. And then we put sensors around the arena, and that allows us to track the player in ball within you know, two to four seven centimeters. Um, and, and what we do is with that data, so now you're getting the location coordinates, you write all these algorithms, and we can tell you things about the game that someone can't see with the untrained eye. So we can tell you, hey, this team, when they actually make two ball reversals and a paint touch, their points per possession is 1.6 versus when they don't. Or, hey, the number of passes. Or, hey, this is how they play screens. Or this is how their defense is. So from our perspective, it's a matter of giving, you know, stats and analytics um, to players, coaches, fans, um, you name it. You know, this data is so powerful that, you know, once people, anybody can consume it and do a really – it's a really exciting thing for them to consume, and it really changes how you look at the game, how you watch the game, how you engage with the game um, in a very substantial way. Well, I know coaches, you know, we've, we've dealt with, you know, guys like uh, Mike Bray and John Calipari and Bill Self who, who absolutely love it because you're able to do things in practice uh, that you've never been able to do before. Talk about that a little bit. Well, you know, so for Shot Tracker, one of the beautiful things about Shot Tracker is that um, it could be used in a practice environment. Now, if you think about the game environment, it's just 10 players, one basketball, right? So it's a little more still complex, but much simpler than a practice. In a practice, you have maybe 18 to 20 players, maybe 15 to 18 basketballs. Um, they're all shooting on six different hoops. At BYU, they're shooting on 12 hoops. So six to 12 hoops. And you want to know what every single guy is doing. Um, I think that's where Shot Tracker gets to be really powerful because not only would it track your shooting drills, but when you get to the point where you start actually scrimmaging in practice, it actually populates the box score in an autonomous fashion. So now when you get out of practice, you really know who's performing. And the fact that now we're going to have it in games this year, coaches are going to get the continuity of practice and games. So they're going to know, hey, I've never played this five together in practice, but I'm having I'm seeing them coming up in a rotation in games. Maybe I need to give them more reps. So there's a lot of information that you're going to provide. And that that, you know, the other thing that's pretty cool is in practice, we actually if they have video, we're able to take our detailed stats and integrate it with video so that they get the streamlined experience and it actually streamlines everything that they do from an operational perspective. So we're really excited to see how people use it in practice and games. All right, let's say that I'm Jay Billis now and and ESPN has access to shot tracker technology. What how am I using it you know, broadcasting a game? Absolutely. So there's multiple ways you'll utilize it. One of the things that people don't know is that a lot of times in the truck, they're actually looking up stats. They're creating shot charts manually. Um, they're, they're looking for keys in the game. With, with Shot Tracker, we're able to automatically give you all the shot charts. Um, we're able to give you information and insights that you traditionally wouldn't have access to. Um, these insights via some of the tools that we've built, we're actually looking. So if somebody goes on a run, we're identifying that run and we're identifying what they're doing differently during that run versus what they were doing for the rest of the game. 
So we're just giving you a bunch of insights, not only for the things you put up on screen and you integrate, but also communicating to the broadcasters so they're able to give even more insight about the game. What we've seen is that, you know, thanks to fantasy, thanks to, you know, all these guys over the Internet who are actually breaking down games, breaking down plays, people have gotten so much more knowledgeable about analytics and they've gotten more hungry for just keys about the game, how the game plays, etc. So Shot Tracker puts that at your fingertips with very little effort. The other thing is that now that we have the data where we can track player, we could track ball, you know, what we've seen is broadcast is starting to enhance the experience um, and, and provide context, like simple things about who's on the floor. We could automatically tell you who's on the floor and we could also tell you what percentage of the total points that group has. And this is stuff that could be done pretty much at your fingertips. You know, maybe you have um, uh, maybe it's going down to the last second and you want to know who has the most fouls and who we shouldn't foul because we're down by one. We can put that data on top of uh, of the player's head or maybe it's, hey, you know what? We're, we're down by three and we need a three. Who should be shooting this shot? Imagine integrating a shot chart into the floor and complementing the game versus it being a disturbance in the game. So those are all just a few ways in regards to how we're seeing people in really enhance the broadcast experience with the shot tracker data. Well, we're, we've talked today. Uh, today's show has been devoted largely to a discussion about fans. Now, how are fans going to use shot tracker? You know, we know that we've got to keep people engaged in the arena and i have to believe this is a a wonderful gamification tool for fans as they're watching the game oh absolutely i mean once you actually so the key thing that enables this is the speed of the data right so you have sub-second latency so imagine you know in the stadium and you're watching somebody makes a free throw and before you can look down to your phone or look at the free throw and look down, it's already updated in the app. So the speed is important. So with that speed, it opens up a, a whole different realm of gamification that hasn't been done. Whether it's interactive games on the video board where, you know, we have this game called Tic Tac Shoot, right, where the fans can actually pick, um, you know, three in a row and for those locations. And we're automatically updating when their team, you know, actually makes shots from those different locations. So you add in this whole level of in-arena in game uh, engagement and inter interactivity. Then, of course, is the opportunity to provide information to the fans just sitting in the palms of their hands via mobile devices, whether that's gamification, whether that's just insights about what's going on in the game. Um, I don't know if you've ever been to a game and literally somebody makes a shot and you're like, man, this dude's on fire. How many threes does he have? Well... Now you can actually look that up and also see the shot chart and also see how he scored those threes. I think in the future with 5G and stuff, we're going to be able to bring video down because we already have a play-by-play -play of all the data. So we're able to, to, to imagine having the box score and being able to click on those five threes and see those five threes and the game is still going on. So, I mean, we're, we're really excited about what our data brings and how our data can drive a whole level of engagement and, you know, gamification is a big piece. Um, getting access to content is a big piece. Getting access to insights. And, of course, like the inter in interactive uh, in-game experience is going to be substantial.
Well, let's talk about that other G word that everybody's looking forward to, which is gambling. You know, there's going to be a situation. The NBA is probably the league that is embracing it bigger than anybody else. They realize that, surprise, surprise, people do bet on basketball games. Uh, I have to believe this is going to be an unbelievable tool uh, and, a, and an essential tool if you're if you're betting on on professional basketball games. Yeah, you know that's 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 a fact. Um, I think uh, the gambling is is coming. It's here to stay. It's not going anywhere. They're estimating by you know 2022. I think there's going to be like 20 to 30 states. So I mean it's a it's a very interesting topic for us um, because our data is pretty powerful, but. You know, we're also trying to figure out and follow the lead of, of the associations and the different groups, at least at the collegiate level, in regards to what that's going to mean um, for college. So it'll be interesting to see at the professional level. Man, it's it's going to be crazy. I mean, if you think about it, people have been doing this on a professional level for years in the U- in Europe. And I think at the professional yeah. level, I think you just saw, I uh, want to see a couple weeks ago, the NFL and the NHL. Um, committed to deals where their data can be used for sports betting. So, I mean, I think it's just a matter of time. And I think the professional level is just definitely going to lead the charge as it relates to uh, the big G word, as you call it, and how this data is going to be utilized for uh, those experiences. Now, I want our listeners to understand this this technology is not science fiction. This is something that is being utilized right now. You've already tested this in a couple of uh, NAIA national tournaments. You tested it last year uh, with the Mountain West. You tested it with the uh, Guardians of the Game Classic in Kansas City. Talk about those tests and what you learned. Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, it's a funny story. Like, people always see, like, the success, right? But they don't see, like, the, the drama that comes out of it, right? And I remember when we did our first NAIA test, I remember my CTO being up in the governor's suite, literally watching the computer, watching the data come in because it was fickle. You know, it was and this was what, almost three years, two and a half years ago. And we would be to the point where he would be there just watching the screen so he could fix it before anybody knows, you know. So, I mean, trust me, we've been battle tested, Um, you know, having all basketball in the game. That's something new. Uh, basketball with a sensor so we had to go through multiple iterations so as you mentioned we did two two and full NAIAs and one finals just because we were busy last year with a bunch of other deals um, we did a Michigan State Ohio State game on CBS we did the Mountain West Conference tournament um, and then we did the Hall of Fame Classic which is here in Kansas City at the Sprint Center and and we're pretty we were pretty excited about that because that was the first time in college history that they allowed tech on the bench. So um, the NCAA and NABC worked together to allow us to actually put iPads on the bench. So coaches were able to get access to our data in real time, sub-second time. So that was box scores, you know, shot charts, um, you know, advanced analytics, breaking down every one of their possessions. And, you know, the hope is that this year we actually incorporate video um so yeah we we, we've been battle tested we'd have a lot of iterations i know it's in the public um that we signed a mountain west so we're going to be in every single mountain west game this year and uh we got a we got a few exciting things coming up here in the next i'd say 30 30 to 45 days that we're going to communicate to the world so uh there's more coming 
Well, I know when it's going to be rolled out completely, they're going to have you on the cover of, of uh, Fast Company magazine, and it's going to say, Davion Ross, overnight success. I know your wife, and she's going to say, yeah, and it was a long night. Uh yeah, I mean, I think people don't realize how long you've been at this, how much testing goes on in your studio where you have a court there, how you've been able to go out and get all of the basketball manufacturers to buy in. You know, everybody plays with a different ball, whether that's a Nike ball or a Spalding ball or a, a Wilson ball, you've had to be able to do that. Um, it's been quite a journey, but I have to believe this can be applied this technology to other sports, especially maybe a sport like soccer. Talk about that. Absolutely. So what people don't know is that our company name is not is not Shot Tracker. Shot Tracker is just a basketball vertical. Our company name is DD Sports, which stands for Data Driven Sports. And, you know, over the course of the, the five and a half, six years we've been doing this, um, we filed 24 patents, 14 of them already issued. And 80% of those patents say games of sport, not necessarily basketball, right? You have to have the basketball specific. So for us, you know, we see this being on any pitch, field, or court. You know, we see the opportunity to, I mean, we, as a startup, you have to focus. I mean, because a lot of work goes into it, a lot of sleepless nights, the emotional roller coaster that people have no idea what, what, what it's like goes into this. Um, and you got to focus on basketball. But our aspirations is that basketball just is the tip of the iceberg, right? We think that we could take this to, you know, soccer, football, lacrosse. Um, the beautiful thing about it is, is that most basketball courts are being used for volleyball. So from our perspective, we think that, and hence the DD Sports name, Data Driven Sports, uh, we believe that basketball is just a start to, um, an amazing proliferation of this technology across the board um, because it's helpful to, to everyone. And the good news is that, you know, a lot of basketball manufacturers we work, they make other balls. So, um, you know, once we have that down, it's, it's exciting to see what it could become. Um, and we're, we're in the process of evaluating where do we go next? How do we make this happen? So uh, uh, it's an exciting time for us. It's also very scary. Well, I know that uh, as a, young man that wanted to play college basketball, you'd go in the yard and you'd try to work on your, work on your game. You know, ultimately you're going to have an app on every smartphone for a kid to go take his ball and go work on his game and get real data and say, this is where you need to improve. This is what you're doing. Well, here's where you need to build on. And that's, that's got to be very exciting. I I think it's going to improve the quality of the game. Absolutely. You know, one of the things that we say is that, you know, kids are training very differently now, right? It used to be I'm in the backyard by myself shooting, right? But now it's like everybody's going to train and it's five, six kids training at the same time. And those are use cases that, you know, we, 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 we do really well in, you know, multiple players, multiple balls. So, I mean, we, we have the same, we say shot trackers to gyms as Wi-Fi is to coffee shops. And you know, we think it's going to be one of those situations where in the future people go to their, whether it's their high school, AAU, college scrimmages, get access to this data. And then what happens is that they're able to go and look and, and see how they perform. I mean, we have a lot of college teams doing that today when they go in the gym and they shoot at night, whether it's two in the morning, 
um, they're able to get that data on their iPhones or their Samsungs um, or their Android phones and uh, and see how they're performing. Because I think we all in business, we always say you can't improve what you don't measure. Right. We're looking at our, our sales and figuring out where we stand, where do we need to go? Um, the same applies to sports. And I think what we're trying to do is really bring a data driven approach um, to the game in practice and in games. Well, you're going to have a great uh, run the next few months as you get ready for the college basketball season. This is great stuff, Davion. Thanks so much for being with us today from the bridge. All right. The pleasure was mine. I appreciate you uh, having me. Have a great day. Let's close today's podcast with another segment of On the Road with Rick. There is a really cool road food place in downtown Richmond, Virginia called Sally Bell's Kitchen. Sally Bell's has been around since 1924. They just recently moved from their original location, but it's still as good as ever. They only serve lunch, and they have lots of lunch choices with sandwiches and salads and other things, but I'm partial to their famous box lunch. You get your choice of a sandwich, and there are a bunch of choices, but my two favorites are egg salad or the Smithfield ham sandwich. You get a side, maybe something like macaroni salad or my favorite, their potato salad. They also have a throwback side called tomato aspic, really unique side dish. You also get half of a deviled egg and a cheese wafer and a choice of over a dozen cupcake flavors. And I'm partial to the crushed almond, yellow batter one. They actually serve all that in a box tied up with a pretty little string. Now, man, that's good eating. It's Sally Bell's in Richmond, Virginia. Y'all come. That's our show. Catch us same place next week from the bridge. This has been your captain, Rick Jones, from the bridge. If you like what you hear, please share, subscribe, and leave a five-star review on your favorite podcast directory. Everybody wants me to be what they want me to be. Troubles